Amen. Oh, come Emmanuel. What a great time of the year. I am going to ask those of you going to Oak Kids, if you would come forward and stand around me here. I'm going to pray for you as you go today. Okay, right here. Okay, Maggie's here. <laughs> this is fine, just like this. Okay, what a great crowd. I'm going to ask you a question before I pray for you, okay? And it's this. If you were going to tell someone about your mommy or your daddy, would you say it this way? Would you say, the mommy loves me or mommy loves me? Mommy. You'd say mommy. Okay, if you were going to say the daddy loves me or daddy loves me, which would you say? Daddy loves me. Okay, I want you to ask your teachers why I would even ask such a question, okay? And we're going to talk about that in here. But you know what? We're talking in here every Sunday about the same thing that you're talking about in there. We're talking about wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, which is today, and prince of peace. Good, you've got it. Savannah knows. Okay, great. Let me pray for you as you go. Our Father, you love the children, and we know that. We know that you love the children because you are Father. We know that Jesus loves the children also. And so, Father, we come and we ask that you would send your Spirit to teach them, even today, about everlasting Father even as you would teach us. Father, we pray that for the glory of the Lord Jesus and the good of your children, young and old. We pray for the good of your church also. In the precious name of Christ, amen. Okay, y'all can go. Great, thank you. And we pray for those going to teach also and their faithfulness. What a great ministry week after week. What's your name? Do you have more than one name? What do you want to be called? My immediate family has six people in it, but we have far more names than that. For instance, in 1979, when Rita and I were headed to Mexico to live and to work, my granny in Pensacola, the only grandparent I ever really knew, the last time I saw her before we left, and Rita was pregnant with a yet-to-be-named baby, she said to me, don't you dare name that baby some Mexican name. <laughs> now, it's all the more funny when you look on my birth certificate, and that same granny gave my mother the name Carmencita Gonzalez. Don't name that baby some Mexican name. Well, Joseph was born, and we named him Joseph. Um, he goes by Joe with some of his friends. Um, Joseph with the family, when he was young, he was Pepito. Sarah Jane might be called SJ or Janie Girl. Jonathan might be called Johnny Boy. David might be Davidcito or Uncle Tio David. Rita might be just Reet or Mom, or Rita and I are often called together Lolly and Pop. Then 
granddaughter Isabella might be called Bella or Bella Boo. Mia might be called Mimi. And then little baby Owen, we celebrated his birthday, first birthday yesterday. We call him Baby O. One of these days, that will need to change. Um, I know that um, some of you are wondering um, what I might be called. Well, Granny, the same one, called me Joey. She's really the only one who did that. And I have a couple friends who even today might call me Joey. The most interesting thing that I've ever been called um, that I can say in public happened about 30 years ago. I picked up the phone at home and um, there was someone on the phone. It never rang and it was, hello, hello. And there was this frantic voice and I recognized um, the voice. Um, and she said, not knowing um, that she was calling me, she said, is this the adorable poodle? <laughs> and um, there was a dog grooming store on 1792 at the time called the Adorable Poodle. And I said, well, I've been called a lot of things, but never that. She never knew who she called. It was before the time that you could identify the phone numbers, and I never told her. Um, the Adorable Poodle. Names have meaning, but even more so in biblical times they did. For how long is a name good? I'm going to say forever, and you'll understand that in a little while. 25 years ago, I saw Richard Pratt, an Old Testament scholar, many of you know, talk about cotton candy and everlasting gobstoppers of Willy Wonka fame. And I'm going to ask two families, if you would come forward this morning, I'm going to ask the Gamichias, and I'm going to ask the Shepherds. And whatever representation you would send from your family, if you would come forward, we're going to have a little um, experiment here. We've got cotton candy, and we have everlasting gobstoppers. There is such a thing, and we're going to have a little test here. Okay. Um, Tom, if you would give everybody in your family an everlasting gobstopper, and Hilda, if you would give those of you who are here a little bit of cotton candy, and after you get a mouthful, you can go sit down, and what I want you to do is when it disappears, I want you to raise your hand or somehow get my attention if you can. Now, just suck on it. Don't bite it. Don't um, chew it. Y'all can go. But you, yeah, how many did you take? They rolled out. Okay. Okay. It's gone. It's gone? Well, that was not good for much of anything then, was it? Okay. John got so much, it's not going to be gone for a while. Okay. Okay. They will let me know. We'll check back with them in a little bit. Um, back to the message. Today, we go back to a beautiful passage in Isaiah 9 in which Jesus, 700 years before his birth, is given four names which tell us who he is and who he will become. Hear the word of God. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." 
Very interesting. The Messiah was given four names. It wasn't the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. It was wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Two weeks ago, Pete beautifully set the historical context for us and told us of Jesus, the wonderful counselor, the one who would break into the chaos of the fallen world and provide hope and rescue. Jesus does not need the counsel of anyone else. We're to build our lives upon that solid rock, upon the wisdom and knowledge of wonderful counselor. Do you know how hard it is not to say the wonderful counselor? But there's a reason not to. Last week, Mark powerfully laid out to us Jesus, the Messiah, who was and is the mighty God. I said it, who is mighty God. It's hard not to. He's the one who has the power to accomplish his plans as counselor in us and in the world. Now today, we come to the Messiah being called by Isaiah, everlasting father. And if you had any doubt at all about the reality and the importance of relationship in wonderful counselor and mighty God, you absolutely cannot escape the relationship aspect in the father language. Father made us for relationship. The language of father is one that perks up my ears and some of your ears. Um, for I, along with some of you, I, I lost my dad this year. And then close to the same time, I, as father, had my only daughter who um, got married. Um, she moved to another country actually just Texas. Um, she was here this weekend, left early this morning, so we're missing her already. Um, Jesus, the Messiah to come, is everlasting Father. How is it that Jesus is called Father? This passage is not talking about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's not the idea of Jesus and the Father being one and part of the Godhead, um, as true as that is and surely taught in other passages in Scripture. It's more the idea of the Old Testament um, king who was spoken of as father of the nation he governed. The culture of the day could understand this father imagery. We, in fact, talk about George Washington as the founder, even father, of the United States of America. The Israelites would have to wait 700 years to see how this prophecy regarding father was to be accomplished in the Messiah, who came and he fulfilled by providing salvation for his people by his death on the cross, by protecting them through his own sacrifice. And after 700 years, when the time had come, Paul would say this in Galatians 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Jesus had a plan as wonderful counselor. 
And as mighty God, he had the power to carry it out. And he does that as father. Let me move on to ask this. What does a father do? What's the role of a father? Is the cotton candy all gone? Way gone. Way gone. Okay, what about the gobstoppers? Still hanging on? Okay, let me know. A father, what does a father do? A father protects. A father gives security and rescues his children. A father provides for his children. A father gives direction and guides. A father encourages. A father gives grace. Even saying father leads to the crucial point of relationship. So often, even more tenderly, a father listens and hugs and comforts. Let me read a story that Jesus told, a parable you know. And we see the beauty of this father image in the parable of the prodigal son, which you know is really not about the son or the two sons nearly as much as it's about the lavish love of the father for the two sons. One is rebellious and living loosely, and the one is a follower, a rule follower, even pharisaical and self-righteous. Here the word of God is found in Luke 15. And he, Jesus, said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. The father provided for his sons. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the, the, that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants." And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The father gives grace in his compassion. He rescues and he restores his son. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The father not only listens, but he hugs and he comforts. He throws a party for this son who has been rescued. Now his older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked, 
what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he, the son, was angry and refused to go in. The father came out and he entreated him. The father, even as he ran to the one son, comes and searches out the older brother and seeks to guide and instruct. The father loves both sons. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, and this shows it, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this son, this brother, this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The father values relationship and he loves both sons. Every one of us can relate to one son or the other, or maybe at different times in our lives, we might be able to even relate to both sons. The one wayward living son or the self-righteous judging of others' son. But the story is not about the sons, is it? It's about the father. Look at how the father responds to his two sons. Um, the listeners here to this story, they would have been expecting a very different response by the father. They would have been expecting a very harsh punishment to take place because of what both sons had done in disrespecting the father. But he runs in compassion to the one. He listens, he hugs, and he kisses him. He has compassion and he restores him. And with the second son, he also goes out and he finds him in compassion. He, the son has a very harsh tone for his father. And yet the father has a very tender tone with him. The son berates the father. And yet the father says, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The father loved both sons. I have a friend, a very grown man who said last week in talking about his father, sometimes I just need a hug. Can you relate? Even if you can't say it out loud, can you say it to yourself that sometimes I just need a hug? Some of you had the type of relationship with your father that even though he is gone, you say, I wish I could talk to my dad about my situation and get his advice. Others did not have such a positive relationship with your father. Some of you in relationship to your father or because of maybe the results of your father's relationship, some of you have hit rock bottom. And one friend said, even this past week, I did not know that rock bottom had a basement. So much more could be said about what the father does. And certainly a mother does the very things in the life of a child also. And for everything of that we could say about a father. I'll say this, our heavenly father does 
all of these things and more for us. Those of you who have been living at rock bottom or below, as well as those who life is going well, we need to hear about our Heavenly Father and rest in that relationship. Our Heavenly Father protects and He gives security. Our Heavenly Father provides for His children. Our Heavenly Father guides and gives direction. Our Heavenly Father encourages and gives grace. Our Heavenly Father pursues us and He will never let us go. He will never leave us. Before I leave this thought of Heavenly Father, we need to go a little bit deeper. I've used the term relationship a couple times this morning. The essence of the father-child relationship is trust and love and communication. If the relationship is true and real, my challenge to us as children of God is to live as if we are his children. First, let's not talk about the father or talk to the father. Let's talk about father and talk to father. As soon as we use the article the, we put a little bit of a distance. Do you get that? Do you see that? Next, let's personalize the relationship. Jesus even tells us when we pray to say, our father. Personalize the relationship. Say, our father or my father when you pray. If we go back to Galatians 4, where Paul said, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Listen to where Paul goes. Listen to the relationship here. And because you are sons and daughters, it is so important. Because you are sons and daughters, he says, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The more I understand my adoption, the more personal the relationship is. One 80-year-old friend told me this week in addressing the father, in addressing father, see, it's so hard not to say thee. This is how he addresses father. Holy, precious father. And perhaps that balances out the struggle some of us would have between the personal part of this relationship and the reverence part of the relationship. Holy, precious Father. Paul then would go on to tell us to personalize our talk with Father so much that we call him Abba or Daddy. A Jewish baby would call his or her father by Abba. Today in the Middle East, a child would use a very similar term, Baba. Interestingly, we don't say the daddy loves me to the point of the children here. We say daddy loves me. That's his name. Can you do it? Can you enter deeply enough into the relationship that you can call your precious father by the name of Abba or daddy? 
Not only is Jesus Father, he is everlasting Father. Is that not exactly what we need today? Something that lasts. That is what we must know. Everlasting Father. We live in a world where so much is disposable and so much is temporary. We say nothing lasts forever, and I know that we make jokes about that with taxes and death and other stuff. But Jesus, everlasting Father, does last forever. The everlasting gobstopper doesn't. Is it still there? It is still there. Okay. Well, it will run out. Jesus won't. I didn't think it would still be there. Okay. His salvation lasts forever. There's no end to his reign and his rule. There's no end to our relationship with him. God's word says, whoever believes in me will have what? Everlasting life. We don't want to fire. Okay. That's not an everlasting candle. Thank you, Chuck. Um, it's not even an hour-long candle. Okay. In our world, um, in which so much is temporary, from relationships to a climbing stock market, we need something that is stable and certain and eternal. And that is Jesus, everlasting Father. As we come to grips with amazing Father, we come to grips with an incredible thought. Amazing Father, everlasting Father. It gives us a heart to run to him and to jump in his arms and be embraced by him. But even as we run toward him, we realize the beauty that he has been running, even as Scotty Smith would say, toward us even faster. As we find our identity in our everlasting Father, in Jesus, who broke into our broken world, we're given the freedom to break out of our sin patterns, out of our addictions, and find solace and grace that can only come from this Messiah. Smith would encourage us to pray to our everlasting Father. Replace our fretting with faith, our tantrums with trust, and our worries with worship. Give us your peace even before the storms subside, the clouds clear, and the sun rises. In closing, two things about cotton candy and everlasting gobstoppers. Are they still there? Okay, some are. Okay. First, our Father is not a here, one minute, gone, the next, cotton candy type of Father. Sorry, Gamichias, I have a bag full of cotton candy that you can have, but um, it goes quickly. Our Father is everlasting and far surpasses the eventually disappearing everlasting gobstopper. It will go away, I promise. I challenge you to live in the security of your everlasting, never-changing, always-loving Father. You are secure in that relationship. 
when Sarah Jane was about three years of age, she was in church with me here and she said, Daddy, write my name, Sarah Jane, on a name tag. And I did. And then she said, now write Joe's daughter. Your identity and my identity is in the relationship we have as the precious adopted children of our everlasting Father. And then the second challenge is to let your life be lived in such a way that you are not chasing the fleeting, vanishing, cotton candy allurements of this world. Live your life in a way that honors our everlasting Father, seeking first His righteousness, knowing that all these other things will be added to you. Father is everlasting forever and ever. I don't have a very long bucket list, but one thing that I would love to experience is a flash mob. So let's listen to one now and look for the forever language.
He shall reign forever and ever. Everlasting Father, I told you that my dad died this year, but he was not my father. I never knew my biological father because he left us before I was one year of age. And as a child, we were not allowed to talk about that part of our story. And I, in a very strange way that kids do, always wondered if perhaps I was the cause of why he left. And in the back of my mind, I wondered if God, Heavenly Father, might leave me also. And I wondered if I might do something that would cause him to leave. And the answer I found is no. I know and rest in everlasting Father, my Abba Father, who will never leave me or forsake me. And it's changed my life and how I live it. He, Jesus, is not like the disappearing cotton candy. And he far exceeds the everlasting gobstopper. Any report? Is it gone yet? Okay, it's gone. Jesus is never gone. Everlasting Father. Do you know him? Are you missing something in your life? Come to him. Cast yourself upon him. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. It was upon those very shoulders that he bore the penalty of my sin and your sin. And they are now strong enough and broad enough to carry you and to carry me. Whatever your experience of Father here on this earth, don't miss your Heavenly Father. He is everlasting Father. Let us pray. Our precious, heavenly, everlasting Father, we come today and we give you thanks. We live this life, we confess, so often in our own strength and our own power. Forgive us. Father, would you work so powerfully in our lives that we embrace you as wonderful counselor, as mighty God, as everlasting Father, as Prince of Peace. Thank you for your work on our behalf, your continued labor, your prayer for us. We look forward to what you will continue to do. And I ask my Father that you would make each one of us even more like the Lord Jesus because we have been together here with you and each other today. We pray in that matchless name of our Lord. Amen.